0: Welcome everybody. I'm Richard Krause. A little bit later on, we are going to discuss whether or not Politicians should be kept off our money, and we just put regular, interesting people on our money instead. We'll get to that in a little bit uh, with our panel. Anthony Lemke is here. You know him from the uh, from a lot of TV shows, but Dark Matters season three will be on Netflix right now. Hmm. After soon. you're done Very listening soon. to this, yeah, yeah, that's right. you can go uh, yeah. have a look at that. Also, recently on Blind Spot, indeed, yeah, and and we don't want to give anything away, but you got to do some cool, fun. Villain stuff on that show.
1: I, uh, you know, I certainly did it. And, and the fact that I'm a villain uh, and a guest on, an, on a show might. On a big might indicate, On a big network show, show. Might
0: indicate my ultimate fate. Uh, <laughs> right, right. I, I right, don't want right. to spoil yeah. anything, but. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Ruth Goodwin is here. Ruth Hello. Goodwin has a show called Punk Rock coming up at the Crows Theater. Uh, that's at Carlaw and Dundas in Toronto. If you're not listening in Toronto right now, Come see Ruth's show. You'll find out all about it shortly, later on in this show. Uh, It's running from March 29th to April 14th. And Stacey McGonigal is here. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can see her at uh, Second City in a show called The Best Is Yet to Come Undone. We had some Second City people here a few weeks ago, and they were still trying to figure out the title of the show. Oh. I'm pretty thrilled with this one. Yeah, I like this one. Yeah, there are all sorts of puns. They're all kind of, you know, uh, uh, little plays on, on things that we know. But The Best Is Yet to Come Undone suggests that... That it might be topical humor.
2: Oh yeah,
0: a little bit, oh, possibly yeah. maybe. Uh, and that show opens Monday, April 9th, uh, and you're still rehearsing.
2: Yes, still figuring it out.
0: But That's what happens, right? And yeah. and it, it sort of goes into the run a little bit, too, right? If you open and people don't laugh, the show changes, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully they laugh.
0: Hopefully they will. But
2: uh, yeah, it definitely changes over time. So I always tell people to come back a couple times.
0: And uh, I've done that. I've gone back a, a couple of times to see shows. Uh, the last time I did it was by mistake, because I'd forgotten that I'd already seen the show. Because oh, no. sometimes they run for a little while, you know? they.
2: We run for like six months?
0: Yeah. And so yeah. I saw it probably like in the first week it ran. And then six months later, I thought, surely it's a new show. So I just bought tickets and went down <laughs> and realized that I had seen it before. It was but that. because that. Live theater, uh, yeah. it was slightly different than it had been before. In fact, in some cases, much different and equally as hilarious. Oh, so great fun to be there.
3: I always love the improv after, yes, it's the best improv yeah. Yeah. every night,
0: Thank every me. night except opening night. Except opening night, there's no improv after opening night. No, that's no. what I hear. So, uh, Viola Desmond uh, is now on the $10 bill. You can see her on the $10 bill. I haven't actually held one in my hand yet. Has anyone? Held a new ten in their hands. Yet? I
3: have a ten, but she's not on it. But well, there's another woman on it. Well, that's Agnes Macphail.
0: Oh, about- but there's a number of people on yours. Yeah, she uh, on the the Viola Desmond tens are uh, just her. You've got uh, another edition, or perhaps you made that ten dollar bill at home. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. But but uh, de- uh, Viola Desmond, uh, and it was unveiled on International Women's Day. And, uh, it is, uh, the story of a barrier breaking, uh, woman who, uh, who from Nova Scotia who sat in a movie theater, uh, in a section that she was not meant to sit in. And so she is a civil rights legend, uh, Canadian, and she's the first non-politician in my memory anyway, to, uh, adorn one of our dollar bills. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's probably time to look past a lot of the the people that we've sort of used to seeing on our money, and and expand the field a little bit. Maybe give Chris Hatfield uh, the the five dollar bill. You know, <laughs> Canadian heroes, uh, people that um, people know, people have uh, a bit uh, tighter connection to. Anthony, is there anyone that you would like to see on our money? Uh, you know, f-
1: for those who are who are collect coin collectors and and bill collectors, please don't. Tweet out that I'm ignorant. I know Um, because I would. I would assume that Terry Fox should have been somewhere on some darn bill already, and if he hasn't been, it's a travesty. Um, I would. I would think that he would be sort of my unanimous choice. Uh, Like when I think about all the different people, uh, because he's like he's. Our country is a weird country that very few people can agree on on one figure, and I would say Terry
0: Fox got a loony in two thousand and five. My, my 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 uh, oh, producer, what? but but not could he could he get a bill? But but <laughs> should could he get, get a bill? A bill? Oh, and 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 something that's a bit more permanent. I think yeah. the loony in two thousand and five was probably a limited edition. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But anyway anyway, mine's Terry Fox because he he is a unifying figure across, coast to coast. And uh, represents, um, uh, I think, the best of, of sacrifice and, and, and unification um, of purpose, and, and that's why I'd uh, put him up there. Stacy, is there anyone for you?
2: Well, I was going to say Terry Fox, actually. Were you really? Yeah,
1: See? I rest my case. That's
2: two votes for he, Terry. He was looking Fox. at my, my notes. No, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I think I think changing it up is really great. I mean, our money's already like. It looks like monopoly money. <laughs>
0: That's I think part of its charm. Though. I love it yeah. so much.
2: But um yeah, I think I think putting different people on and commemorating different people throughout, I mean, I don't know how realistic that is, but
0: I think every now and again, uh, why not change it? You don't want to change it up all the time. Every yeah. year you've got something new. And But I like the idea of Terry Fox. And I, I think the, the 2005 Looney was uh, um, a coin that was just out for a certain amount of time sure. to create like a yeah. collector's item, I think. Right. Um, Ruth, who would you like to see? Uh,
3: I mean, I'd like to see more women on the money. I, um, I Also, so let's just. Go recap for a second. Okay. There's one woman on this $10 bill. Yep. She's the only woman on our money, and now they've replaced her with another woman, but it's still just the $10 bill. I'd love to see women on the $5 bill and the $50 the bill. 20. Yeah, I'd love The big nice... money
0: bills. The big money the, bills. The $100 the, the bills. I
3: want the ATM <laughs> money bills. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, the ATM. If it comes out of an ATM, I a want... A woman on it. Margaret Atwood, yeah. right. Lucy Maud Montgomery... Just some really nice. Uh, I don't know. I like. I like. F- I like where feminism and storytelling intersect. That's- so
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in just a little bit of like a stick in the wheel here. Um, <laughs> does, does it really matter? Because a, a good question was. You're like, well, we, we got this woman on the ten dollar bill, Agnes McPhail, and and collectively everyone's like, yeah. Agnes McPhail, cool. Who the heck is Agnes <laughs> yeah, McPhail? Exactly. Why can't we do something stronger and you know put some some feminist women on there? Well, it turns out thanks to Google cuz I didn't know who Agnes McPhail uh, Agnes McPhail was. Mm-hmm. She was a politician, you are right, mm-hmm. but the first uh female elected to the House of Commons 1921. Huh. Wow. So it is already happening,
0: but the truth is it's just some person <laughs> that but but symbolically, it's more than that, though. Don't you think? it's because it's, it, the next thing we're going to talk about is the inclusion rider. So yeah, let, let's, let's tie all this together. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in that, um, you know, Agnes MacPhail might not be uh, a name that that uh, Anthony Lemke recognized straight away, or me, or a lot of it, yeah, or a lot of it, but I I bet you Google searches on her name have gone up a thousand percent. And here we are,
1: we're now talking about Agnes uh, Agnes McPhail, and that's fantastic.
0: And that's what happens, right? I think that, and that's what symbolically sort of representation means. And so, Um, there are now these things called inclusion writers. It's not a really new idea. It's been around for a little while, but, um, Frances McDormand in her speech, winning an Academy award for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri suggested that this is the way to go moving forward. And the idea is if you're making a big movie, let's say there's 50 parts in this movie, Mm -hmm. 50 speaking roles in this movie, probably about seven of them are significant. And then you've got 43 other roles. Make the the cast diverse, make the cast uh, represent the people that are in the audience watching as long as it fits the story, all that kind of thing. But then those other 43 roles, let's also make sure that they are cast in an inclusive way uh, to represent uh, the story properly, to represent you know the audience that's going. And a lot of people have stepped up and said, yeah, you know what, we're going to do this. Mike Lee has been doing it for years, but we've got... Um, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, their company is doing it. Uh, John Boyega is in, in support of it. He's uh, the big star from uh, the Star Wars films. Uh, a number of of big producers have said, yeah, we're going to do this. Ruth, I'll start with you. What do you think about this?
3: Yeah, I think it's great. And I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think it's um, more than just the cast. I think it's also the production teams and yeah. um which is so great. I watched um, I watched a movie the other night, Sicario. Have you mm-hmm. seen that movie? Great movie. And Emily and, and Blunt. yes, and everyone was sort of like Ruth, you'll love it because big strong female character. But uh, like everyone else, from the extras to the writers to the like, I, and when I looked up on IMDb, there was basically three women came home from that film with a paycheck. Right. And there's like a hundred and fifty, two hundred people that worked on that film. And to me, that's so. It's really hard to swallow because I think, you know, it it's, it, it just doesn't show. And, and I can't not watch media. I can't not see it now when I watch right. movies and stuff. And it takes me out of it because it was such a brilliant story. But it, I kind of go like, oh, well, I wish I could see. There's no reason that that extra in the corner, like those five extras over there are all men. There's no reason for that. They could just as easily be women and Five women could have gone home with a paycheck there.
0: Anthony, have you seen uh, a change in the industry at all over the last little while when we've been really having serious discussions about this kind of thing?
1: Uh, wow, that's. Uh, I mean, it, I think it, the, I think the short answer to that is yes. Yeah. Um, uh, for instance, on the show that I was on, Dark Matter, um, yeah, there were more there were more male directors than uh, females, but. But when you're, you know, when you're a series regular, you're privy to the conversations of the guys above you, and without a doubt, it was a priority. Like, God, we just need to find some female because this is embarrassing, right. uh, and you know, the sh- Dark Matter specifically because it it's a show that that sort of trucked in uh, female characters that were. I- I'm not going to use the term strong, because. Um, Personally, it's a pet peeve of mine, uh, but I will say complex and deep and full and rich, which to my mind is better than strong. Um, and uh, and and we didn't we, we did have a I won't say a tough time finding because I wasn't involved in the search, but in the end there were more male directors than female. Um, and I would say yeah again, largely it was a show uh, the females were far more complex. Uh,
0: than males. We'll leave it there. When we yeah. come back, we'll continue the conversation uh, with Stacey McGonigal. You can see her starting April 9th on stage at Second City in the best is yet to come undone. Uh, Anthony Lemke, you're here to talk about humanity and inclusion. We'll get to that in yeah. a second. And Ruth Goodwin, you'll see her on stage at the Crows Theatre on uh, March 29th through April 14th in a show called Punk Rock. Stay. With Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richard Krause. A little bit later on, we are going to discuss... Uh, James Bond and the changes that are coming to the new James Bond uh, series. But first we'll introduce you to everyone who's sitting around me in the studio. Ruth Goodwin is here. You can see her in a show called Punk Rock that's playing at the Crows theater from March 29th to April 14th in Toronto. We'll give you all the details uh, about mm-hmm. that coming up very soon. Stacy McGonigal is here. Her new show is called the best is yet to come. Part of Second City starts on April 9th. We'll give you all the details of that coming up. Anthony Lemke is a familiar voice to people who have listened to this show for some time. Uh, I think the last time, Anthony, you were here, you were talking about Handicapped International. That has changed that now. Has There's changed. a new change, uh, a new name, yeah. Humanity and Inclusion. And yeah. give us some background as to what it is. It's a fascinating bit of, of uh, humanitarian work that you're doing here. Well, I mean, to be clear, I, I wish I could
1: say that I was doing the humanitarian work I'm talking about. the <laughs> People who are actually doing the humanitarian but you've, work. You've um, with them I, I have them, traveled uh, with them to to witness, and uh, it's been my great privilege to be involved with this organization for about two and a half years mm-hmm. now. Um, they are an organization that started 35 years ago um, during the time of the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia um, in a in a, a refugee camp in Thailand. Where a doctor without borders, who was actually a gynecologist, noticed that uh, on the whole, um, there were a lot of newly minted people living with disabilities, thanks to the landmines uh, on the borders, and they were being healed and sent on their way and left to fend for themselves. And so he thought, we can do better, we should do better, and began to um, do whatever he could to walk alongside these people to help them reintegrate their lives. And that, that organization has since grown. Um, it is uh, now in about sixty countries around the world. It, it operates in situations where essentially the governments have failed for whatever reason, whether it's war, war, or the governments are just basket cases, um, or, or there's natural disasters, and there, there basically is. It's a very difficult situation mm-hmm. for people living with disabilities. Um, recently, they rebranded, um, mostly in in Anglo-Saxon countries, where the term "handicap international." Um, uh, quite frankly, was was a little less than acceptable. Yeah, it yeah. brought with
0: it uh, yeah. a, a stigma. Yeah. yeah, it
1: brought with it a stigma. So they, they felt that they uh, you know they felt that they needed to change, um, and humanity and inclusion uh, allows them to keep the HI
0: brand, uh, right. which is important in the field. And we're now around the seventh anniversary of the Syrian crisis, yeah. and HI has been working uh, in the region to help repair people's lives. How do they do that?
1: Well, they do it the way they've been doing it uh, ever since those first days uh, in the refugee camps in Thailand. Um, they are very present in the refugee camps, mm-hmm. and just to give you a, an idea of the scope, I mean, picture um, picture like the GTA, 5.5 million people. Picture that entire population down to every last person evacuating all of the GTA and going to set up uh, in temporary camps in upstate New York and on the border of Quebec and you know, down in Michigan and waiting in a temporary camp. And some of these people, um, are, of course, are, are suffering through the effects of, um, uh, of the war, of the conflict. So they're living with disabilities, and Handicap International Humanity and Inclusion mm-hmm. now. Uh, this is my second interview with yeah. <laughs> so I might slip back into the yeah. Handicap yeah. International. Yeah. Um, they, they're they present uh, with these guys, uh,
0: helping them rehabilitate. Yeah, the, the details are kind of staggering. The The Syrian war has officially outlasted the duration of World War II, registered yeah. millions of displaced and or injured civilians, yeah. and over 400,000 recorded fatalities to date. It's astounding. I mean, it's it's spurred. Uh, Handicap International,
1: um, part of what 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 Humanity and Inclusion uh, International does, is advocacy work, and uh, they were integral in getting the um, Land Mine Treaty, Ottawa Treaty, in fact, uh, off the ground. It took them about six years with a bunch of other NGOs, and now they've turned their attention to the use of. Um, explosive weapons with wide area effect in uh, in populated areas. And that's largely as a result of the atrocities in Syria where people just keep bombing cities. And largely that's a response uh, to the fact that that's where the bad guys go. Right. Uh, they protect themselves with um, with civilians, which is a clear violation of the Geneva Convention. And so the, the question really is, by bombing civilians, you are also actually, by targeting civilians, you are also violating the Geneva Convention. And the question really is whether or not uh, we should be saying, all right, we can do better as, as a society. And we have done. We have done in the past. We've said, listen, we don't gas people anymore, and people who do gas, use gas in warfare are largely pariahs. And it used to be mainstream in the mm-hmm. First World War. Same thing happened in the Second World War, where there was indiscriminate use of landmines. And uh, by 1997, people were like, yeah, we shouldn't, w- that's too much. Like, we can slaughter and go crazy and kill people and warfare can happen, but we can still do it within certain rules. And, and that's what Handicap International Humanity Inclusion now is saying. Um, let's change the norms of war again. And uh, for those who, who choose to want to support that, go to hi-canada.org and uh, there's a
0: uh, a petition we're hoping to get to about a million signatures for September when we present it to the uh, the UN. And and what the petition is doing is asking states to end the use of explosive weapons in populated areas.
1: Yeah, that's correct. I mean it's it that's the the soundbite version of it. It's a little more complex. It it has to do with um, explosive weapons with wide area effect. Essentially, these wide area effect weapons were uh, conceived for warfare in open spaces right. and um, there isn't really a, an issue, quote unquote, with them in in open areas because they're effective in taking out military targets um, because there's not you know 120 civilians in around those military targets. So what we're saying is, listen, warfare has changed. Let's acknowledge that. Let's let's use our technology to. Uh, to do something different than what we have been doing in the past. And again, it sounds a little bit like pie in the sky thinking, but we have done it before, not not humanity and inclusion. I mean, in the case of the Ottawa Treaty, yes, we were part of it, but I'm saying humanity has said, this is enough. This is too much. This is beyond the pale. We can do better even when we're doing worse, i.e. even in, in the context of a battle. Um, and, and we're hoping that that, it took, like I said, it took about six years for the Ottawa Treaty um, to be to be signed from the first time that the the NGOs got together and said we should we should push for this change, uh, will it take six years this
0: time or more or less? I guess we'll find out. Anthony Lemke can be seen on Dark Matters season three. That's on Netflix uh, right now. I think <laughs> as soon or soon coming soon. If not right now. Soon to a computer screen near you. Also look for him on uh, Blind Spot on CTV. You the betcha. reruns will be happening <laughs> yeah, that's soon. Right. You'll be able to see it. You'll and be able if to see any
1: of the listeners speak French, and I know that uh, there yeah. are some out yeah. there yeah. because uh, I'm going to a Radio Canada uh, yeah. interview next, um, uh, yeah, tune in to Radio Canada
0: because uh, I'm on a show called Rupture uh, over there and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. And to <laughs> sign the petition, visit hi-canada.org. Stay with us. When we come back, we'll find all about punk rock. Stay with us. Welcome back everybody. I'm Richard Krause in studio. Anthony Lemke is here. Uh, sign that petition, go to hicanada.org to sign the H I that's uh, humanity and inclusion petition that is essentially uh, asking states to end the use of explosive weapons in populated areas. There's more to it than that, but uh, um, have a look. Yep. and learn some more and, and and open your mind to this idea.
1: Yeah, we can. We can
0: make a difference and have in the past. So please don't think that your one signature is nothing. Stacey McGunnigle is here. Uh, the new show at Second City is called The Best is Yet to Come Undone. Uh, She's one of the stars of it. It opens on Monday, April 9th. Get your tickets now. Yes,
2: run, run, dog. Run, log.
0: get your tickets now. <laughs> we'll find out uh, all about that. Uh, Ruth Goodwin is here. Uh, you have a company called The Howland Company. Mm-hmm. It's a theater company. That's- I have seen several of your shows. Mm-hmm. You have a new one coming. Uh, if you're in Toronto, you can see it at the Crows Theatre. That's at uh, Dundas and Carlaw. Yep. And it's a great theater. Kim Coates was just there doing Jerusalem, which was one of the uh, best shows that I've seen in years. Honestly, so Until Punk Rock. Until Punk Rock. (laughs) Everything's going to change again. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to reorder the list.
3: Yep, exactly. So
0: so tell me about Punk Rock.
3: Uh, So Punk Rock is a really exciting show. It's by Simon Stevens, who... Uh, wrote uh, he's done a he's had a few shows in Toronto lately uh, Harper Reagan he wrote the stage adaptation of A Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime mm, I saw that yeah okay so um, a phenomenal British playwright this uh, play it's directed by Gregory Prest and um, it's about a group of elite high school students uh, who are in their final year preparing for their final exams and it uh, it's very, uh, it features a lot of punk rock music. It's very, um, it's just got a lot of hormones, a lot of rage, a lot of uh, <laughs> snappy dialogue. And, and it, it, it really focuses on themes of bullying and mental health. And um, essentially, you know, the kids interact with each other and witness a lot of um, cruelty to one of their peers in, in particular. And, and it sort of all culminates in a, in a violent sort of climax uh, at the end so it's it's a uh, it's a really exciting piece it really I think um speaks to a lot of the conversations that are going on right now about bullying in schools and in the workplace and um sort of the cost of doing nothing and and witnessing yeah
0: so the idea is that a lot of the characters kind of stay silent while mm-hmm. terrible things are happening yeah, around yeah
3: yeah and we've been talking a lot about how relevant that is um right now and mm. um but it's it's Simon Stevens is also a very funny writer. He's British, so it's it's dramatic, but it's also very snappy, very funny.
0: Um, yeah. and, and how do you, for the Howland Company, mm-hmm. how do you choose the shows that you do? Because you've, you've been choosing really interesting, um, not exactly mainstream, but not that far out of the mainstream shows to present.
3: Yeah, well, we started, um, we, I mean, we've gained most of our success on the Fringe Festival circuit, and so we started... Um, mainly like fringe theater has its own you know you can only it can only be an hour and you have to be able to like move in and out in 15 minutes and it has limitations so we sort of started like that this is actually so we were picking plays with smaller sets and smaller casts and but when we started the company we we read this play uh, and wanted to do it right away we had a, a really long time uh, a hard time getting the rights to it, and finally this year we we did, and so this was sort of our 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 real play that we wanted this to is do. A big coming out party. Is, yeah, exactly. And so now we have, um, and we have a really exciting season. This is our most ambitious season. Now we have this. It was just announced in the Globe and Mail today that we um were. Uh, Premiering uh, a new show called The Wolves as well also with Crow's theater, which is about nine girls on a, a female soccer team so we like to respond to the conversations we think are going on and stories we think are worth telling and we think people will relate to and will laugh and cry at
0: <laughs> and and who do you play in punk rock?
3: I play a girl named Lily I play um, a, a new girl in the school oh, my glasses on the microphone <laughs> um, and so, she, yeah, I'm, she sort of comes in to this group of people who are have their own things sort of figured out. And she kind of changes the temperature of the group dynamics. And, and um, I think a lot is sort of the catalyst to a lot of mm, destruction
0: that happens. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I saw uh, The Last Fringe Show yes. that you did.
3: Lemons, lemons, lemons. Yeah,
0: lemons, lemons, lemons. And it's great. It was a great show. And the thing that I loved about it was that it was kind of, it was intimate. It's just you and one other character. Yeah. Uh, but the audience was essentially sitting on the stage with you, <laughs> the front few rows, yeah. anyway, the couple of rows. And I thought, as I was watching it, because I got there uh, at a time when I had to sit in the very front. And I was like, <laughs> you know, I, I I wondered how, or maybe it isn't, or isn't, if someone that you know was sitting... On the stage with you, essentially watching work, do you just block yeah. that out somehow?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's funny with this show we're doing now, it's in a very intimate space, yeah. and the themes are pretty uh wild, and we have been talking a lot about how hard it's gonna be to be able to see you know, especially like opening nights, people you know mostly. Right. Because um, this isn't
0: immersive theater. Like you're not inviting the audience to become no, involved, but they are but they're there. very close to you. I
3: mean, in the case of uh, Lemons, we were at the theater center and, y- you know, you hope that the lights will just blind you so much that you can't. <laughs> the best that what I like most is just watching people watch you. Thinking they're in a movie theater, so you'll see a lot of people like picking their nose, or like, <laughs> like you're like I'm a I'm a human that's, that that can actually see you, but because the lights are off, you just sometimes see the weirdest things if you're looking. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: uh, Stacey, is that your? Oh exp- yes. Tell me. <laughs>
2: Oh, we've had people, I mean, people can also like eat and drink at our theater. Right. So it's like you're doing sort of like intimate and really, or like very harsh satire and someone's like eating chips, like looking <laughs> at you. Or even last night we had a woman who was like, my friend Nancy wants to come up, Nancy. And we're like, this is not, it's not. It's
0: not interactive. No. are not on a cruise ship. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it was all night. And we were like, you can see us, right? <laughs> you, when you bought the ticket, you knew this was theater, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anthony, you've done stage work. Do You do stage work. I haven't in a long yeah. time, yeah, but it's yeah. where, you know, it's
1: where many of us start, yeah. um, for sure. It, it's the, it's the first love that you have with uh, telling stories and um, probably attracting attention. To be honest, yeah. you're like, hey, oh, totally. people are looking at me. Yeah. Wow, this is kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Normally, looks at me,
0: <laughs> and you're like, oh, you can do this for a living. Yeah. I, I love the idea that the audience doesn't think that you can see them.
3: Yeah. It's weird, yeah. But you host panels, like, have you I ever do. noticed oh, yeah. stuff? like
0: Absolutely. that? Absolutely, must. Yeah, people. Uh, there's always when I when I host these <laughs> panels uh, with actors and things. Right. There's always uh, the front row that I can see, and then beyond that, it's just right. it, it gets yeah. dimmer and dimmer, and you can't really you you're aware that there's people there, but you can't really see the individual things. But there's always that one person, so I usually make an announcement saying something like, you know, I'm going to talk to. George Clooney first for half an hour, and then I'll take your questions. And the hands go up immediately. I'm <laughs> like, listen. nope, it's yeah. not how this is going to work. Your hand's going to be in the air for half <laughs> yeah, an hour. Right. If you're... And I was interviewing uh, Jay Baruchel on stage uh, once. We did one of these things together, and we did it before the movie for some reason. Typically speaking, these panels you watch a movie and then you do it afterwards. Yeah. And uh, But for some reason, Jay had to leave or something, so we did it beforehand. And the questions are great. I interviewed him first and they were getting really lovely questions, but at the very front, there was this woman whose head was just up in the air and she was <laughs> sweating and she was so excited and I ignored her because she looked like trouble to me. Yeah. Yeah. And and Jay, being the sweetheart that he is, kept going, I think she has a question. <laughs> and I'm like, we'll get to her, Jay. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. And then finally he says, uh, what's your question? And she says finally i am so happy to be here and it's just it's been such a delight uh to see you i just have one question and we're all like yes what is that question who are you
2: oh my god
0: I know. What? It was the strangest oh, situation. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Again, one of those situations where people kind of treat the people on stage as though they're just a thing rather yeah. than.
2: <laughs> all, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. a, well, thing wait for a minute. Your, Doesn't like...
0: that happen on social media all the well, time? I, well, I think that's possibly where part of it yeah. comes from. the yeah. This sort of anonymity. And, and you can say and do things. Totally. That, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah you know, don't have any consequences or you don't think that they're going to have consequences. <laughs> That's so Except crazy. now on the radio show, we talk about you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
3: Stacey must get that though. Cause improv, like there's so much drunken, like you're probably oh, yeah. just like, no, not you. And it's you're asking for suggestions, suggestion. Right. When,
0: yeah. when we come back, we'll talk about that okay. with Stacey. We'll talk about improv and drunk people with suggestions, <laughs> Woo! uh, stay with us. Welcome back everybody. I'm Richard Krause in studio. We have Ruth Goodwin from March 29th to April 14th. You can see Ruth in a show called Punk Rock. Mm-hmm. It's a study of what happens when people get bullied and other people don't say anything.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And there's lots of great punk rock music. Yeah. And all sorts of stuff. And you get to see Ruth uh, at the Crow's Nest Theater. How did people find tickets for that?
3: Uh, you can go to HowlandCompanyTheater.com or you can go to
0: Uh I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah. I'll be there. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Lemke is here. H.I. Uh, Formally called um Handicap international. Handicapped International. Uh International. They, they're now called Humanity and Inclusion. Uh, there's a, there's a, a petition that you can sign. Visit hi-canada.org, uh, and it's essentially asking uh, states to rethink their bombing practices in highly populated areas. There's more to it than that, but... Yeah. Ie stop killing civilians. Stop like killing pretty civilians. Much. That should be your slogan. Yeah, it, that should it's be close your slogan. Yeah. If you know, if you want, to yeah. pass that along. Yeah, um, sure. And you can also see Anthony on Dark Matters season three, be on Netflix very soon. And I uh, recently did an arc on Blind Spot on CTV, playing a bad bad man. Mm-hmm. And he got to shoot in Marrakesh and all over the place. Yeah, New York and Marrakesh. That's, that's great, cool. fantastic. This is not a bad job. Nope. And then Stacy McGonigle is here. She is in a new show at Second City that starts on April 9th. It's mm-hmm. called The Best is Yet to Come Undone. You're still in rehearsals right now, but I'm sure yes. tickets are on sale.
2: Oh yeah, tickets and go buy them. Don't even think twice. Mm-hmm. Don't even
0: think twice. No. The shows are always great. I love going yeah. to Second City. I love going to Second City because it's a small, intimate space. Yeah, It probably seats 200 or 250 people, something uh, like that. Almost 300, yeah. Oh, almost 3. So but it's small and it feels and it feels mm. intimate and you're kind of the the best comedy rooms, I think, are those where everyone's kind of rammed in together, it's dark, yep. you're you're in close proximity to the people sitting next to you, and there's an energy and kind of community that forms in the audience. Mm-hmm. But as we were talking during the commercial, <laughs> that mm-hmm. can sometimes go a little bit south. And oh, I yeah. was saying that all it takes is for like one person in mm-hmm. the audience Yeah to To step outside that sweet spot where they've had two beers, they're fine, two and a half beers, and they're loud and yeah. terrible, and they're they're poisoning the entire room <laughs> and uh it's a it's particularly uh, uh apt for you, I think, because you do audience interaction you're yes. asking for uh, suggestions for improv and that kind of thing, so tell me. The the best and worst of that. The
2: best. Well, I think I really like how you said community because we really do set it up like we're going to have a really great time tonight. There is improv, so it's like this is kind of something you're just going to see tonight and you're all sort of a part of something really special. So so we like to celebrate the audience because, you know, if you're a live performer, it's difficult sometimes to get people in the seats. You want to celebrate the fact that they – they got an Uber and came to see him. <laughs> um, but, yeah, sometimes it can go a little awry. But I think the the key to, like, disarming that is to kind of kill them with kindness and just kind of, you know, not... You don't have to stop and be like, you've ruined everything.
0: <laughs> this
2: was my night, and now it's ruined. Um, so we kind of. I will
0: remember you forever. Uh, yes. <laughs>
2: yeah. You are burned into my memory, Nancy, and I will never forget you. Um, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, too. I think you kind of have to throw your hands up to it and just go, okay, well, yeah, this is my Wednesday. But um, <laughs> people generally are having a really great time. And I think um, some people come and they think it's stand up, and then they're like, wait, what is this? Right. So we kind of give them a little chance to.
0: And so, what do people play along with the game? Because I've been to some improv shows, not mm-hmm. necessarily Second City, where people's suggestions from the audience are so outlandish oh, that yeah. they're almost impossible to work into a, a, a situation. And I wonder if people in the audience are like, oh, I'll show them.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they will say, I'll show them. Sometimes it's my actual parents giving the suggestions. Because <laughs> nice. um, Second City is sort of a mixture of written sketches and improv, so... um yeah, I mean the 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 whole rule of improv is everything everything you say is right. Yeah. Doesn't matter what you say.
0: Always say yes.
2: Always say we have to say yes yeah. no matter what. So um, yeah, I mean if you're kind of if you've been doing this for a while, I, I think you don't really get thrown off that easy. And sometimes it's th- also the joy of improv is everyone knows that you're making it up on the spot. So right. something so outlandish and ridiculous, like last night, I was like, why am I in love with him? And someone yelled, he's your brother, <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> okay you want to see that okay you know and everyone's like that's you know oh well what are they going to do and then you just yeah. kind of like embrace it and you embrace
0: fun. it and move on yeah uh, you so, embrace your brother you right?
2: embrace your brother yeah. you know yeah now,
0: you you would have gone through the second city training did you go through the second city training or I how does this work
2: did um yeah i went to uh i was in an acting program at york um and uh they were like you're funny and i was like thanks and they're like no it's not good here Um, so I started taking classes at Second City I found them and did the conservatory program and then uh, from there did the national touring company and then have previously done three shows with um, uh, Second City on their main stage and have now just returned for uh, another round
0: right and People that talk about Second City, people who've been on that main stage, talk about it in kind of hushed tones. Really? Oh, yeah. What do you mean? Well, there was a thing on Facebook that I saw a little while ago, and it was from someone whose name I can't remember right now. I am blanking, uh, who had been a, a main stage yeah. cast member. And they were complaining that there are <laughs> actors out there yeah. who take the Second City course and and put it on their resume. like, yes. And it, I'm a Second City mm-hmm. main stage, whereas you've never actually been on the main stage. And so people are very protective about it. Well,
2: I think the process of writing this show is unlike sort of any other process where you are spending two months every night trying something you, you we certainly I mean we do write but um, you're coming out and every night we say hey we're uh, these are small ideas we're going to improvise for you if you right. like them laugh um, so it takes about two months to write the show it's like tonight I have an idea I have to go do it on stage and my director likes it maybe we'll see it again maybe not right. um, so it is a bit of a slog and then you're doing 300 shows that you wrote yourself and so I think sometimes it can be frustrating where someone takes a class and go yeah I did that like (laughs) did you did Nancy yell at you (laughs) I produced
3: something and we had auditions and we got resumes with from like people that were second city alum
0: right which means yeah City alum yeah Yeah. Yeah.
3: and like because you can take the training course so uh, we brought all these people in and we were sort of like wait what like and because you can take the training course and call yourself an alum of the school of second city or you can do what Stacy's
2: doing and, you know,
3: so. Yeah. No, that's yeah. it.
0: That's it. It's the totally. Second City alum thing mm. that seems to get under the skin. Of oh, yeah. People. Yeah.
2: Well, it's, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tough gig and it's, it's pretty unique and I think people are really proud of the work they did and, yeah, so they try to, we want to make that. Well, experience.
0: and it's also part of a lineage that dates back totally. decades now. Yeah, I mean. And, it, in that dressing room, before you go on, yeah, there's the picture of John Candy and yeah. Catherine O'Hara and everyone that, that worked there. Yeah. yeah, it's
2: sort of a weird camaraderie. And I mean, I was in L.A. for a couple of years and even meeting people from Chicago who did Main Stage, it was like you just were sort of part of this like yeah. secret society, <laughs> all drenched in wine from years of, you know, abuse. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it is it is a weird sort of gig that not many people get to do. So when you meet an alumni, you sort of like get the language.
0: And the show is called... Uh, The Best is Yet to Come Undone Mm -hmm. starts Monday, April 9th. Buy your tickets now, and I'm sure if you go to secondcity.com.
2: Yeah, and yeah, secondstay.com, or just show up. We'll take you.
0: We'll take you. We're we're not picky. You're not picky. Well, you know, maybe you should be a little pickier. I learned something today. Thank (laughs) you. So, the Canadian entertainment industry is releasing a collective code of conduct. Uh, Things outlined in the code include when work requires physical contact or scenes of nudity intimacy or violence. Uh, we have to adhere to applicable, respectful workplace policies and collective agreement obligations. It goes on in that mm-hmm. kind of language, to, describing any number of situations that may come up. And when I read through it, I understand the need for it. I've never done a nude scene. You may be shocked to, uh, <laughs> to sure. find that. Really? But, yeah, It's pretty rare I, for me to do those kind of things. Uh, but I read a lot of it and I thought, isn't this just common sense? No, and no. Well, no. you'd think that's yeah. that's no. the problem. You, you would think, right? But you think not,
3: right? I actually did an, an uh, a new scene in a in a film just before the Christmas holidays there, and the change since Harvey Weinstein and the right. scan, like the the amount of um hands on deck was really encouraging. I
0: felt so. So you're saying there was few people. We had so the idea when you do a nude scene is they kind of just cut down the crew to yep. th- only the people that absolutely one hundred percent need to be there. Yes, right? so it's but it doesn't set. always happen that way.
3: Um, well, I, I, I don't, I can't speak to that, it, but because uh, it was my first nude yep. work, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and, but. Uh, I had, they sent in representative from our union, from ACTRA. Oh, wow. I uh, had to speak with her separately from the director and everybody. Then she had to speak to the director. Then she had to be there on set all day. I could have my choice whether she was in the room or not. Like, And um, that, from what I understand, is new in, right. in and is a direct reaction to, even on the day there were signs uh, all over the studio saying, this is a safe workplace if you... See something, say something. Like it. It, it was interesting. The temperature changed. Uh, s- had changed so much. I felt in that uh, time. I just don't know. In, the,
0: in those last few months. Anthony, <laughs>
3: you've probably done done some nude.
0: Um, done some nudes. You, you done
2: nude? You got.
3: You, I, I you try got to ignore nudes?
1: that part of my life. <laughs> um, it was in university. I was just experimenting. <laughs> right. um, uh, but did you find that uh easier or harder or wh- i mean i guess it was your only one I li- how did you find it let's okay. just say that
3: okay i liked what i liked about it was that it just became very um business yeah. Yeah. it was not um i have been in some i have been in projects that can be people's passion projects or or people that just you know people at in positions of power can you know, use that in whatever way they feel. And you
0: want the job and you're, you're almost willing to do whatever it takes to get it done, even if it feels inappropriate a little bit.
3: Yes. I mean, sometimes, but this just felt very like sterile almost. It was just like, these are the meetings that we have to have this is protocol. And then it made, it made making everything else about it, such protocol and, and standard made it easier to just get into the scene and do it like a day of work and then be finished. And, I think that was easier than I can imagine. You know, you hear these horror stories about directors falling in love with their actresses. Oh, and, or
0: all the, the the stage crew, like, lining up on the catwalks or whatever and watching. Yeah. yeah. You know, you've heard those stories forever.
3: Exactly. Right. And, like, the woman from Actra actually made an interesting point. She was like, when when we cut, like, you have to robe. Right. And she was like, that's more out of respect for the crew and everybody else because they don't want to have to be averting their eyes and feeling uncomfortable. And, like, it was cool. I learned a lot. And, yeah.
0: We have to leave it there. Yeah
3: you can see that movie <laughs> yeah Ruth's
0: nude scene what's it called
3: uh, it's called Stuck Stuck well, I'll be back I'll call. Yeah, I'll pitch yeah,
0: it yeah call me up I'll pitch it although I won't be able to look you in the eye not <laughs> afterwards it's not
3: that much I've known nude. you for a Honestly, long time it's I just, really I nothing <laughs>
0: okay Ruth Goodwin uh, go see her in punk rock at the Crow's Nest Theater March 29th April 14th uh, Stacy McGonagall the new show is called The Best is Yet to Come Undone. Second City, Monday, April 9th. It starts and runs for six months. You have no reason not to see this show. None. And then uh, Anthony Lemke, uh, you can uh, find out all about humanity and inclusion at hi-canada.org. Thanks for listening and thanks to Andre on the board.